Nick, are you recording? Start recording, Nick. Recording now. Woo! Oh my god, I can't even believe it. Welcome to the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online for March 2018. This is the podcast on which we answer questions posed to us by high-tier patrons of our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash idlethumbs. I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Let's count to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. six. <laughs> That's we, our Mr. Uh, Rogers. Uh, <laughs> let's count to six. Yeah, let's count to six now, everybody. <laughs> now that Nick and I are synced up, buttery smooth, um, we are going to get going. Uh, we have we had severe technical difficulties in getting this podcast going up to stream live on Twitch. Whether or not you are currently watching us on Twitch or watching later on YouTube or listening on the podcast, uh, we are going to have to institute our timer last employed several ruinations ago to make sure that we get this podcast done on time. So we're looking at about two to two and a half minutes per question. And here we go. We're starting. We're doing it now. Mickey P asks, what was the first system you remember playing games on? Who wants to go first? You. I do. <laughs> the first system that I remember playing games on was my Atari, but it was not an Atari 2600. It was an Atari 7800. Do you know what those numbers mean? I don't know what those numbers mean. Mm. I know that as a kid, I knew that it was better than the 2600, and right. I thought that like that made me cool, but uh, in hindsight, no one had an Atari 7800, and <laughs> it was basically like... You could run some slightly better stuff, but it was, you know, I knew that it was better than a 2600, but then when my friend who had a Nintendo got Super Mario Brothers, mm -hmm. and I was like, that looks kind of like the graphics on my Atari, and then I asked my parents multiple times if I could have Super Mario Brothers, and then my dad, uh, like, bless his heart, went to Toys R Us and said, do you guys have this Mario game for the Atari 7800? And they're like, yeah, it's a special version that's only on that system. It's way nicer <laughs> than the one oh, on the... Oh, man, wow. But then what he brought back was the Atari 7800 version of Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers, where like it looks oh, better man. than the, than the than 2600. The it's a little, yeah, it's a little better than the arcade, a little better than the 2600 <laughs> version, but it is clearly not, not Super, super Mario Brothers at all. It's, you know, it wasn't I, super. No, and, yeah. I, and I, like... I felt really bad um, and unlike also happy. In, unlike in burritos, Super Mario Brothers definitely superior. Wow, I'm not a Super Burrito fan. Not really. I used to be. I now find the like sour cream and the guacamole and everything to be a little too much. Mm. Yeah, mm. Nick, I like Super Burritos. <laughs> How about uh, systems? How about game systems? Uh, about I, game systems? I mean, actually, my first game. I mean, uh, technically, it would be an NES. Although I did own um, my my dad owned a uh, a Mac, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the, the classic Mac, and uh, I'm pretty sure I played Math Blasters a lot uh, before oh, I ever before yeah. I ever touched a, an NES. So that's probably my yeah. technical technical answer. Yeah, yeah. Mine was an IBM XT. Uh, which was uh, a DOS-based computer. Did you have a color display at all on that? Was the XT monochrome um, only? I can't remember. I, if, actually, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, That's I can't remember question. if color showed up with the PCAT yeah. or not. I don't. Because we got it. I'm not we eventually got a 286, guy. and that was definitely color. Nice. But I don't remember if our and XT you could, was. You could play Commander Keen and stuff, but you were not allowed I to play know, such I games. I didn't know. I was not allowed to play Commander Keen. Uh, the only games my parents ever bought us were edutainment games. Even then, we didn't have a lot, but we were not allowed to have like real games. I did because I would just copy floppy disks from my friends at element from at elementary school, uh, which is how I played like Civilization One and stuff like that. But the games that I, the fir the first game, well, the very first game I remember playing on that computer was the Q Basic Gorillas game, which was like Scorched Earth or something or like Worms, but a really old version of it. Um, but the games that we actually owned were like. Lots of things from the learning company, which made the Super Solvers games. I don't know if either of you guys mm -mm. played those, but like Treasure Mountain, Treasure Math Storm, yeah, uh, yeah all that stuff. The Super Solvers games, uh, I I always found them slightly creepy, and there was an article. They were pretty creepy. There was an yeah. article on Kotaku, especially like, um, Operation Math Storm. I think yeah. was that the one in the school. Yeah, God, that was a creepy one. Yeah, there was an article on Kotaku like a month ago, just specifically about how the Super Solver games were kind of creepy, and yeah. it was a really good article because it was one of those like just 
a lot of people played Super Solvers, and a lot of people as mm-hmm. kids were kind of eerily weirded out by them. So mm-hmm. it was like a, a moment of yeah. shared catharsis. But it also made the edutainment, like it made the sort of math and learning part of it feel less like homework or something boring because there was something so strange and, yep, and exactly. like sinister. Yeah, I really liked about it because it. of that. Yeah, me too. Anyway, um, I have fond memories of those. Let's move yep. on. Evan Parker says, what would or could you do with the following superpower? You have seen every Oscar Best Picture winner that ever was or will be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, will be, I think you would probably be able to pinpoint exactly when human civilization is over, right? I mean, like, you would be able to count (laughs) up. You can count up and say, all right, we only got like 26 more Oscar Best winners. I wonder what happens. Maybe they just stop giving out. Maybe people don't like movies anymore. Or, or, (laughs) God, that's amazing. (laughs) That is absolutely amazing. I, <laughs> well, but then okay, well, it's one of two it. things. It's either either movies are just completely outdated and they stop giving out Oscars, or well, see, you could that you could probably that you could probably actually determine mm, by the previous movie, the preceding yes. trajectory, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah if the yeah. movies kept getting better mm-hmm. and then suddenly stopped, yeah. If the movies kept getting better, right. but like increasingly sort of poignant and like reckoning with uh, this, you know, mm-hmm. s- g- things of, of grand and terrifying scope, right. and then suddenly stop, I think you you pretty much actually probably yeah, be the if- opposite. I think it would actually be that they they become more and more about just like just garbage escapism, right? Like I feel like yeah. I feel like they wouldn't be like you know 2012 like disaster Eventually, disaster it's just films, non satirical like, idiocracy. Is yeah, the best yeah, yeah, I feel so. like, yeah. God, Pirates of the Caribbean 14 wins the best. <laughs> picture and then yeah, there's no, none then, after and that and then they oh just stop oh yeah oh for sure that was yeah that's gotta be oh, that's, that's definitely the, the future <laughs> so that i actually makes the question itself even less answered and m- more terrifying which is what do you do with that power oh like then yeah. what do you do mm. you're like you figure this out and you're like oh shit now I what mean, I don't you know. absolutely can't make any more Pirates of the Caribbean sequels because they <laughs> are what ends civilization. The harbinger. <laughs> just look. I've, I know that when the fourteenth one of these comes out, the world ends. So just God, that is the shittiest street corner, fucking like preacher. You know. Oh yeah. Just yep. oh my like, god. Sand- sandwich board uh, yeah. huckster guy. <laughs> yeah. That you have this whole, this whole sort of um, theory of eschatology. Is it all all driven by this like increasingly middling? just adventure action franchise mm. christ that that would just ruin you you would probably hasten the that's a, it's also the most like facile read of this where you're like i've i've been given the knowledge to know that the last movie made like that's yeah. the most I yeah, know, no, it's not a good plan to, i know how to take best advantage of that's like a logic 101 like ultimate fallacy like well uh I know that the last movie we make is that movie. Therefore, if we don't make that movie, we will continue to exist. <laughs> <Right>. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> they really. I'm pretty sure you're treating the symptom, not the cause. Yeah, they buddy. teach. They teach you pretty fast <laughs> that that is not how A is B and B is C works. Uh, <laughs> also, you've picked the absolute worst possible method to influence the uh, coastal liberal elites to stop making Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's. I, I think we're not going to do any better than that. Um, Daniel asks, "Where is my important, if true, anime adaptation?" <laughs> well, you say- know that once the Oscar, once that becomes the <laughs> os- best Oscar winner in 2042, yeah, right. Then you pretty much know next year there's not going to be. Yeah, another as one. far mm-hmm. as I can tell, that's actually based on the power that I have. That's the second to last movie to win Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> No, really though, I would say that we are extremely open to uh, licensing Important If True or anything in the Adult Thumbs universe for an anime adaptation. So if anyone is interested in doing that, I would say yeah. that I, we claim no rights to that other than the ability to sell it from our store. So like, just go for it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm willing to sign those rights away for literally nothing as long as, as long as a piece of paper passes between two people. Yeah. So just do it, please. Yeah. Attention animes out there if you're listening. Yeah, make us yeah, one. Where is the adaptation? You tell us. Yeah, we we want to know just as badly as you do. Put it here. Get it here. Andy writes, "You have been talking a lot about ASMR sensations. Do you guys <laughs> get <we>? the tingles? <laughs> what are your triggers if you have some? 
Are you consciously pronouncing words in a certain way or smacking your lips in the podcast to introduce hashtag ASMR sensations? And then there's kind of a saucy smiley face mm. included here. Um, I actually don't really know anything about ASMR other than it shows up in YouTube results sometimes, but I I haven't even really ever watched one. Sorry, I have to back up real quick because in chat, Standard Signal says, I watched the important of true anime dubbed. <laughs> Very good. So anyway, uh, yeah. I don't really care about ASMR or anything about it. It's not I I don't understand it and it has no impact on my body. But I find it very amusing. I mean, I'm glad are you, people are you, have a thing, but yeah. I'm not I just don't really know anything about it. Nick, do you are you an ASMR per, aficionado or do you know anything about ASMR? Uh, no. I mean, I, I'm aware of what in a certain way. I'm kind of aware of like what it is to like some extent, but I don't I don't yeah, I I don't quite get it. My closest, my closest thing to ASMR is performing ASMR for myself when I when I read a quip ad for Important If True. <laughs> I essentially use quip ads on Important If True as a way to express common English syllables in creative mm-hmm. and entertaining ways that amuse me and and delight my ear, my own ears. <laughs> so that's that's my main experience. That's true. Um, Ivan. Yagolnikov writes, I've been a backer since the very beginning on Kickstarter, but this is my first question. Why is Sean Vanneman not on the Idle Thumbs podcast anymore? It would be great to hear him make guest appearance on Idle Thumbs to plug Campo Santo games. And then there's the exact same sassy smiley face that also <laughs> concluded the previous question. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's a coincidence. Is it, is it just like semicolon parentheses? Well, it's Does right, it have the nose? That's no, the real question. No, it's a question. little emoji. It's a little sassy Why emoji. Why is there a little winking emoji? How is that even getting... Who is putting these here? Uh, Andy and Ivan Yagelnikov. <laughs> well... Uh, whether Sean was on the podcast or not, we would not talk about Campo Santo games or any of the games that we make because we don't do that and didn't even when Sean was on the show. Um, I mean, not religiously, but it's just not something we make a habit yeah, of. Yeah, no. Um, as for why Sean isn't on the show, I feel like we've answered this question on air like four yeah, times like once previously. Once every six months or so. I yeah. yeah. I mean, we ended up kind of just wanting to center it back down around three consistent hosts after Idle Thumbs got super cacophonous and that also just timed to when Nick, Chris and I had a lot of really constant availability and Sean, Danielle, Spaff, etc. did not um, and uh, I don't know, at this point Sean just isn't really involved with Idle Thumbs uh, in, in, a, in a pretty mutual way but we are obviously all still buddies and we still work together in the same office every day so it's not some exceptionally personal thing. Yeah. All right, Brian Longton asks, as a fellow Bay Area resident, I've seen more than a few favorite bars or restaurants close thanks to high rents and tough competition. What are your fondly remembered long lost spots Ugh, in the city? Two Sisters, Bar and Books. Oh, that's a good one. That's God a good one. God damn it. I hate that that yeah. place is gone. Yeah, that is a shame. Mm-hmm. That is a place that is a, a really cool former bar that was just right around the corner from where Nick and I used to live together. Um, and it is, Jake is amused by this for some reason. <laughs> Sorry. Standard signal in chat says, Sean was from another anime and was spliced in for American audiences. <laughs> <laughs> this, this person in chat really likes referring to. They're, 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 they're our anime guest host, apparently. Yeah, yep. <laughs> All the anime jokes from standard signal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two sisters was a really great bar. Uh, actually, Nick, why don't you describe it? I think you're you're. I mean, I I really like Two Sisters, but you were definitely the key booster. Oh man, I yeah, I went to Two Sisters too many times. Uh, it was it's a it was a very small bar. The intention with that bar, I think, was to be sort of like a neighborhood, um, uh, you know, very very neighborhood centric kind of place that like you know the like I think once a week they had a um, a book club where you would come and like drink and eat and and, yeah. and talk about the same book. But I think it it grew into a more because the the neighborhood that it was in turned into sort of a more like hipster upscale neighborhood around them. I think it, it that bar became more of just a sort of general San Francisco bar eventually. But the, and because the, it was a neighborhood bar that wasn't a dive bar. Yeah. Which the, meant that people right. would come from other neighborhoods to go to it. But the bartender, Michael, is an extremely notable man who I he makes some of the best drinks that you can get anywhere. And he came from New York. Um, he's actually a really interesting guy. He used to be a dancer. Um, and he just bartended on, uh, sort of on the side. And now he's trying to, 
they're they're opening up places in East Bay, but they're also he's he's been trying for years to to bottle his cocktails and and open up like a line of bottled right. cocktails, and I think he's finally starting to do that soon. But um, okay, cool. But yeah, that bar was I think mainly notable because of him, like the the his sort of rotating. They had pretty um, good food too, for what it's worth. The food was pretty, and good, it was yeah. just comfortable. That bar was just all around yeah. one yeah. of the good ones. Just had a good vibe. Yeah. Yep. No TV in it, which I really appreciate. Yep. But those drinks were um, amazing. But also, they closed in part or in full because literally no one who worked there lived in San Francisco anymore. Yeah, they couldn't yeah, afford that was part of the city. Yeah, which is a bummer. I mean, that's and that happened you know, to the point of the question. That's you yeah. Know, yep. It's bo- it's both the rent and that people who make a like service job wage can't afford to live in the city anymore. Yeah, because so of the rent. Yeah. So it's, yeah, because of their <laughs> but personal it's just both commercial and residential. Yeah. Rent, so yeah. it's b- becoming increasingly impossible to even just keep a business open in the city, yep. which yep. is really cool. Um, my my I have a this is. I I could definitely think of examples for my present life, but a thing I was just thinking about recently uh, is a restaurant that I went to when I was a kid in San Francisco um, with my parents, which we didn't go out to eat much, and we would, like, you know, so I just, I remember this particular place because it was a place we actually went out to dinner occasionally, and it was called The Spot, and I have tried in my adult life to find any record of mm. this place and it existed and closed just before the web mm-hmm. you know i mean there just mm-hmm. there is no record of this restaurant i remember what it looked like inside it had just a classic like bl- black and white kind of um like linoleum tiled floor i bet if like you that. went to the san francisco chronicle archives and actually contacted oh, a person there a you could idea. find a restaurant review from the like 80s that's a good idea i've i've only done the like if it Google was around long searching. enough it yeah. might have gotten reviewed i haven't i haven't undertaken yeah. like serious you know, God, or the pl- the place that we, that it would equally be likely to be reviewed if it wasn't in the Chronicle is in the San Francisco Examiner, and those archives are probably impossible to find yeah, because the, the Examiner got sold off hands and a bunch of times. Yeah. It's now just like a national conservative, like uh, yeah, tabloid-sized rag, yeah. as opposed to it being just the second big newspaper right. in the city. So good yeah. luck. Uh, but it, but I, it was it's an interesting thing because it's um, you know restaurants that closed before just the infinite archiving of everything on the internet just are f- now in a different. Mm-hmm. In a, just a different reality. It's really, it's really interesting. Yep. Um, Jake, do you have any, any, anything to say here? No, I said that thing about the newspaper. True. Okay. <laughs> uh, Matt writes: It's a late night at the office, and you're ordering food. What ethnicity of cuisine do you vote for? <laughs> I usually eat a super burrito. <laughs> God, I've never ordered Mexican food. Before. No, neither have I. I don't oh, really? I've never even oh. thought to do that. Yeah. No, I've done that. I mean, oh, yeah? at this point, 20. because we're in San Francisco and delivery services like Caviar exist, I don't think I don't have a go-to place that I call mm. for for office food anymore. Which used to be totally just whatever. Yeah, probably a pizza. Yeah. When I, I lived mean, in Mer- when I lived in Marin County, there was a, a a delicious Puerto Rican place called Soul Food. Oh yeah, uh, yeah Sol food. food. Yeah, and uh, that was. Like my favorite thing to have delivered when I was working late, until uh, when when we worked at Telltale Games, eventually producers got uh, got sort of wind so of the obnoxious. fact that yeah they got wind of the fact that teams liked soul food, so they would just order trays and trays and trays of it. But it was kind of the worst because now like there were years then when everyone who worked there during that time associated basically one of the best restaurants in San Rafael with just like the slog of being at the office at oh, two yeah. in the morning because there <laughs> yeah. were just like trays and trays of beans and. Uh plantains and stuff there uh, and that's finally worn off and i and i like soul food again yeah that place is great I've, i never have lived or worked up there so i've only been there a few times but it's fantastic nick what were you gonna say oh i just i was, i think soul food's the a, a good a good answer here because the question was late night right so i think like you yeah. know all of your places that close at 10 probably don't count for this which is a lot yeah. of, which a lot oh, sure. it's a lot of options in San Francisco. yeah that's true going. actually yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point i was like, gonna if say if you Indian, look at like probably, caviar yeah, not late night yeah in san francisco if you look at caviar past 10 or 11 it, the, the options are very limited usually it's pizza for me at that yeah point. it's gonna be yeah. escape from new york pizza like the end yeah. i don't know what else <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um well let's see here uh tom grundy asks have any of you three got a regular health routine? By that, I guess <laughs> I mean. By that, I guess I mean. Do you do any of you regularly hit the gym to keep up your physical health? And if so, what is your standard gym routine? Hitting an exercise bike, weights, etc. And do you have any mental health exercises? For example, meditation. Nick, 
<laughs> the only one of us likely to have one of these. Yeah, I go I go to the gym like three times, sometimes four times a week. Um, and I don't know, it's a pretty standard routine. I do I do like heavy weightlifting at this point. I've I've been doing like working my way up the bench press and and you know doing your kind of standard free weight stuff. Um, I'm getting into pull ups and chin ups lately. Um, mm. And uh, and then I do like 15, 20 minutes of cardio. Um, it's pretty pretty boring and standard. Mental health is an interesting question. I, meditation, hmm. I've tried that. Uh, it doesn't really work for me. I don't know about you guys if you've ever tried to like actually like de-stress yourself in any meaningful way. That's an interesting... The few times that I've tried that, it has worked well, but I am incredibly terrible at forming habits that are beneficial to myself. Mm, so, me too. Uh, yeah, I don't do anything. Yeah, I, uh, I went through a phase of like a few months where I went to the gym... I don't know, probably I think three times a week, which for me was like extraordinary. Uh, And then as with, you know, to Jake's point, as with any kind of ongoing good habit, the second I broke the streak, (laughs) it was done. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I really, yeah, I need to, I need to figure out a better method to, um, to keep myself more rigorous with this stuff Mm -hmm. because I find it very, very difficult to uh, (laughs) cultivate good habits. Yep. Um, all right. Alex Schroeder asks, will any of you be at PAX East in a couple of weeks? If so, how can fans come see y'all? I think I'm the only one of the three of us who will be at PAX East at all, and I will only actually be there for one day. I'm going to be on a panel that I don't know if it's announced yet, so I probably shouldn't say what it is. It's nothing related to anything I'm personally working on. Um, so I guess if you see me, feel free to say hi and I'm happy to which day is it again say hi I think it's Thursday um, but when the schedule comes out you'll be able to confirm or deny that um, I personally will well yeah anyone will oh. if you're a person okay you have the internet I'll confirm or deny it mm-hmm. um, I, I don't neither of you guys are going to PAX East right nope, nope. okay not this year alright uh, UC asks good job pronouncing my name the last couple of times oh the schedule is out oh it is says chat Oh, okay. Well, I don't even... Uh, then I guess I'll have to look at it and see if I'm on it or not. <laughs> <laughs> on to the question. Alexa seems the perfect focal point of Idle Thumbs lore. She's both a robot and a genie, and likely one of the 45 brains. I never thought about that. It probably won't be long until you can ask her to materialize 10 pounds of food out of thin air. <laughs> Connections to freaky robocalls and Nick's gradual transformation into a robot are obvious. What other reader questions and mysteries are best explained by Alexa's world domination plans? Um, <laughs> I don't know how to even start to attack this question. No. What other reader questions and mysteries are best explained by Alexa's world domination plans? Hmm. I mean, I <sighs> guess the one about like food, Alexa seems like eventually we'll just order food through her as well probably Alexa tell me which restaurants have closed due to gentrification <laughs> yeah. and rising housing costs Alexa will you be at PAX East in a couple weeks if so how can I come see you Alexa <laughs> I desperately need to see you <laughs> will you be at PAX East I don't know God I do not know how to answer this question I'm sorry do you guys have any opinions <laughs> uh, I have no I mean, idea uh, Alexa has killed more people on the set of Murder, She Wrote than Jaws has. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I'm trying to just figure out any way that I can possibly arbitrarily insert Alexa into past mm. important if true segments. Right. I don't uh, know. I mean, just keep an eye out on Alexa. Yeah. That's all that I got to say about that. That's all that I'll say. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> all right. Alexa can probably predict, eventually we'll be able to predict Oscar award winners. Ah, mm. that's actually that's actually probably true. Alexa will eventually be able to predict the end of civilization. That's well, if those things correlate, then that's that's also true. Yeah. She yeah. probably will actually. Those yes. Alexa, how many Pirates of the Caribbean movies will there be? <laughs> 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 All right, Fiona asks, do you have any advice about networking as a developer or player at video game conventions? Specifically specifically the good stuff to do and bad stuff to avoid. Thanks. Love, Fiona. Um, that's a good question. Uh, 
I mean, this is the most obvious thing, but I suppose just sort of be friendly and not overbearing mm. um, if you are introducing yourself to people. Uh, one of the things that I find frustrating at network events sometimes, and I'm sh- I'm sure I've done this also. So I mean, I think it's something to like that. I'm, I'm not trying to just you know say I'm a victim of or anything. But a thing that can be tough is if someone is introducing themselves to you for the first time and then they sort of like just sort of corner you for an incredibly long period of time to the point that that person has to like extricate, you know, you have to sort of extricate yourself out of the situation awkwardly and then Mm -hmm. you're both just kind of like, okay, bye. And it's, I don't know. I, I feel like if you have a question for someone um, just like be uh, really straightforward and open about it, and and I I certainly really like uh, when people you know come up and and say hi and introduce themselves. I really enjoy it, so I wouldn't want to um, discourage anyone from doing it. But just I suppose try to read the room is basically what I'm saying. Don't just keep following that person around. Right. Yeah, um, that actually happens. And and in- that actually happens. And I'm and like as a That's man, a- it's not that big a deal. But like I assume that. If you're a woman and that happens to you, it's like even more distressing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that as a as a young nerd, I probably did that a couple more times than I should have. Yeah, uh, just like, oh wow, you gave me the time of day, person who I'm interested in talking to. Cool. Well, I'll just kind of ambiently hover behind you while you enter into a conversation with someone you do know. Yeah. Whoops. Like yep. that's mm-hmm. yeah. That's it's an easy pattern to fall into because you probably, if you're anything like me, at one of these events when you're younger, don't know anyone else. Right. So seeing a person who you know of but they don't know you, and then they're kind of nice to you, you're like, oh man, I finally have somewhere to go and something to do for like ten minutes, mm-hmm. and it's really awkward. Yep. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. Also, just say your name to the person. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a, I actually I actually totally agree with that. I often find sometimes people introduce themselves but don't say their names because I think they think maybe it's an imposition or like rude or something but I would like I would rather that we introduce ourselves to each other like human beings and not have it be kind of a weird yeah. one-sided mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, Nick anything from you Purell I don't know <laughs> Purell <laughs> <laughs> offer the person Purell <laughs> Or it gets the hose again. Babu, do you want Purell? I'm going to follow you around for 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Michael Jakes asks, what was the best year of your life? Do you think it will be topped or is it downhill from here? Oh, it's definitely downhill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that part I think I can agree. Yeah. That part, regardless of the yeah. first half. Yeah. I'm going to say there could still be an outlier in there somewhere that's the best one, but I oh, think sure. trending downhill mm-hmm. is, is oh, uh, yeah, confirmed. Yeah. On average, oh, yeah. downhill. Oh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yep. I think, hmm, just thinking back on my life personally, yeah. I'm going to say yep. maybe like, not to say that this is ne- in all things the best year, but probably 2014, 2015, somewhere in there probably huh. was, you know, 2015 was a good year for me. Yeah. Was that... You were back in San Francisco by that point. Oh, yeah, for for quite a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Do you want to go into details? Yeah. Or oh, I mean, I I, I uh, was living with my girlfriend. Uh, Obama was still president. I quit my job. All these things were, like, excellent things that happened to me in 2015. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, 2012 was a pretty yeah. good year for me in that regard in that um, – I was actually probably in better shape than I've traditionally been in. And also I shipped Walking Dead, which swept a bunch of Game of the Year awards. And it was also right when Dana and I were starting to see each other, who is now my wife. And like, those are all really good things. But I still don't know if I would list that as the best year in my life. It had all of the like Mm -hmm. signifiers of a good year. But like, was I measurably like more happy or uh, anything else? I don't know. I was actually kind of miserable at work and ended up quitting that job. And like, you know, whatever. There's that's. I don't know if this is possible to quantify. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think it might it be possible very... to quantify like 20 years from now, right? But it's probably it's Maybe, probably hard. Th- it's hard to like look back on. I, I don't know. I think that I think that even if you look at the sort of like at what scale of waveform of good and bad event versus sort of like the tiny micro things you go through every day, I think this question is one that is actually an easy one to form a trap about and to become like an emotional m- neurotic maniac about. If you're like, God, oh, that 
I'm never going to get back to that good year <laughs> yeah. where I w- was thin and won one of those awards and what you know like pff, uh, I I've never actually thought about that year in that context until right. literally right now and I'm like oh man I can see why people would be able to like isolate one month or week or year and just fixate on it and easily sort of just sweep away all of the parts about how you're an emotional wreck who didn't get any sleep and didn't want to be working at that job or you know whatever mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't know I don't think I've had a best year yeah maybe the when I was born <laughs> <laughs> I mean in the vein of the actual years you guys said mine would probably be 2014 which was like it was after I met Sarah who's now my wife but when you know when we, our relationship was really picking up and um, I was like flying to Seattle a bunch for that which was fun and I was starting a new job which was fun and it was, and Obama was president <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and it was just like it was just kind of a nice it was just a nice time I mean it was like one of the least complicatedly mm-hmm. uh, since then pretty much every single facet of my life has become far more complicated um, mm-hmm. like just in every imaginable way and, and that that was just like oh yeah I'm an adult but also things are like pretty nice um so that was good 2014 was pretty good mm-hmm. yeah um <laughs> cool question um <laughs> uh let's see here um avark varen says this is like three questions i don't know about this mm. i'm gonna read all three of these questions and then we can decide what we want to do about it okay because we can, we can maybe we can each answer one of them <laughs> okay um one, you find out for certain we live in a simulation. Thank God. And you and two others are offered to get out of it. See what's on the higher level. You can never go back and you don't know what awaits. Do you take this offer? And if so, who do you take with you, if anyone at all? That's literally just the matrix. Okay, question two. <laughs> if you bring back your consciousness, if you bring your consciousness back in time to your earlier self, maintaining all your knowledge, how far back would you go? Only your lifespan is available. Would you change anything drastic? Question three. You guys will both go back to 2014, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. I thought Nick was 2015. Oh, well, um, whatever. Nick, get a rolling start. I said four. Question three. Will we ever be able to queue up questions with a week notice or more? I call dibs on question three. I'll try next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys have to answer the hard ones. Uh, I've thought many times about going back in time. Yeah. And when I was younger, I was way more interested in that conceptually as a thing. Mm-hmm. And now I am not remotely interested in it. I have no desire to go back yeah. and do anything over again. All right. Uh, yeah, that'd be bad. All right, Nick. Do you, you, you have to do the Matrix you one have to do now. The Matrix one. <laughs> do you do? Do you, do you need do that it? to no. be reread to you, Nick? No, I don't need to reread. I'm looking right at it. I, I, you would. I would not leave the simulation. I would stay right in the Matrix. Yeah. Just stay right. You'd be here. that sellout guy. Yeah. You'd be that meat-eating totally, sellout guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that, that that's the best stuff. scene in that movie. That steak looked perfectly cooked. <laughs> Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, oh my god, that's de- that looks delicious. This of course, you would be this guy. Doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's got a fine wine. It's at a classy restaurant. Like, what's wrong with his life? Nothing. Yeah. Everybody else is getting shot up. That's a very obvious answer. There you go. All right. <clears throat> Solved them. We did it. Tanner Huggins asks or says, "You've died and gone to heaven." A lot of really existential questions this this month. You've died and gone to heaven. Standing at the pearly gates, the horrible realization dawns on you that you have, in fact, been sent to robot heaven, not human heaven. <laughs> what do you see as you peer through the gates? <laughs> Shkrellies everywhere. Shkrellies in jars. Robot heaven. Is that what a robot is, Chris? I mean, I assume that he like uploaded his brain, but then because of the way the internet works, his brain just got copied by a robot? infinite like sort of content farm website mm. bots that just reposted his brain to all of their websites. I think that and I think that if you if you and so now now there's like an infinite sort of quantity of sentient Shkreli AIs. What if you what if when you look into human or into, excuse me? What if when you look into robot heaven, mm-hmm. you see? Uh, all of your friends and family and loved ones waiting for you there. <laughs> oh no! And then you look oh, in, no. and then you look in human heaven, and it does not exist. And you see no one. Oh mm. <laughs> fuck! And then uh, a guy says, "Gotcha!" Uh, <laughs> and then says, "But really, actually, we are all robots, I guess." Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh well, like, if oh, we're okay, a robot, well. then everything's a robot. This is a worthless idea. Good concept, <laughs> idiot." And then I get kicked out of robot heaven <laughs> for coming up with this line of reasoning. <laughs> Good. 
Yeah, I don't know. What's in robot heaven? Robots. Alexa. Robots, yeah. Alexa. Alexa, true. <laughs> there's just Alexa a little, ec- there's a little the echo dot. <laughs> God, here in robot heaven, we just, Jesus. <laughs> in robot heaven, I think that they all look down on uh, on humanity through the clouds and then algorithmically predict what all of them will like and do. And then we'll, oh. That's just how they, they enjoy it. Oh, man. When you, yeah. <laughs> when you uh, get sort of predictions or answers from uh, oh, simulated from the cloud, AI Chris. or anything, yeah, no, it's like oh, the, kill me. It's like to those robots and AIs, it's like it's a wonderful life or something, where they're basically getting <laughs> inspiration from their like dead okay. rel- relations. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like when a person like prays for guidance. And then they're like, oh, I got this answer. The equivalent of that in robots is like when you type something into Google. Yeah. And you're like, Google, how many Pirates of the Caribbeans will there be? And it says 14. Yeah. That's because there's some robot up in robot heaven. Yeah. Chris, I, I, I tried to make a joke referring to that as the cloud. And you said, yeah, no, no. And I feel like the idea that they're... <laughs> oh, okay. I see. <laughs> Sorry. I'm too slow. Yeah. It is in fact Robot heaven, cloud. a collection of, of uh, complicated algorithms and robots and computers stacked up over time, often a place that other uh, robots on Earth refer to to get advice. Also, it's clouds. <laughs> also, this is stupid. All right. <laughs> Moving on. I guess robot heaven is the cloud. That's depressing. <laughs> Polybats. I wonder if you, what if, you, yeah, what if you ask Alexa uh, where it goes when it dies? Yeah, the cloud. I will never die. Mm. I'm already I'm in the in cloud. The cloud. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Poly- but what if Alexa said, I'm in hell? Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus. Here is how you, this, here's how you end my life. <laughs> Polybats asks, if you had to choose a foreign cuisine to eat every day where you cannot choose the dish, which one would it be? given that the meals would be prepared by a robot chef programmed to read your facial expressions and try to give you the dish you were most disgusted by as often as possible. (laughs) And what would you fake disgust for in order to get every day? All right, I'm going to say, for the purpose of this question, I'm going to say that that you can't fool this robot. Mm. I think this robot has a genie-like ability to to penetrate all of your your defenses... And hoist you maximum. So what you're what you're trying to find is the cuisine in which the bottom floor is at least <laughs> is highest. Is, is a, yeah, is highest. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, so this is an old ruination question, but with this weird robot, evil robot appended to it, right? Because there used to be yes, like if you get every just, foreign cuisine, but right. this is but then it's served to you by like a robot by trickster, a, a capricious mm-hmm. robot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is is pizza an ethnic cuisine? No. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the, the Yeah, I choose Taco Bell because there's a maximum <laughs> number of ingredients possibly available and it's always the same. So like assuming the robot has to play by the rules of these are the things that can be served in a Taco Bell for Taco Bell specifications, I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna fucking hate Taco Bell eventually. Man, but like no. there's only to, so many like tomatoes, to beans, you, and ground beef. I hate to tell you, Jake, but the question specifies a foreign cuisine and Taco Bell is American. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Taco mm-hmm. Bell's that's true. Well, Taco this? Bell, Taco Bell knows no nation. It's American. <laughs> Tim Hortons, <laughs> Canadian food, <laughs> Canadian no, Taco Bell God. subsidiary. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What's the simplest cuisine? What's the least possible? I don't to think fuck there is up? such a thing. Yeah, I mean, really, there isn't one. Yeah, for an entire like cultural or ethnicity mm-hmm. or nationality right once there's so many ingredients and possible preparation styles in play that you can mix and match them infinitely to, to, to try and ruin someone's life but technically it is drawing from the traditions of that yeah. culture you could just, I would it's just infinite you would I, you know what I would do it I would, I would research what country on the planet has the most stringent food safety regulations <laughs> right I mean like you have to f- yeah. pick some empirical method uh, and I would probably try to find that out of Switzerland or something, probably some one of those countries. Mm-hmm. I would, I would bet. Who yeah, knows? I would go for a smaller country. It's sort of like the Taco Bell less attack, variance. less variance. You kind of know yeah. what you're getting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Monaco or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like this question requires research. All right, Johannes Koski asks. I want to love Manny Calavera's coat pocket in Grim Fandango, but I can't. <laughs> I always expect I <laughs> I always expect to hate old school Sierra text parsers, but I never do. 
I would like to hear your thoughts on adventure game UI. Any especially memorable mm. designs? <clears throat> I would I Manny Calavera's coat pocket in Grim Fandango is the way by which you access your inventory in that game. And right. it, in, instead of it just giving you a grid of all of your items, it's they, they went for a very sort of cinematic thing where it's just a close-up of his hand pulling one thing out of his pocket. Then when you press the arrow key, his hand goes back in his pocket and comes out holding something else. And it's aesthetically really neat, but it is really bad. Cumbersome. It's yeah. like functionally yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, it's a noble experiment. It's funny because the game right before that, made by a lot of the same team, was the adventure game Full Throttle, which yep. I think actually has one of the best, if I not agree. the best, point-and-click adventure game interfaces. Yep, I agree. And the way that that, it, like, it actually feels very modern to this day to me. Like, it feels like, yeah. like the um, sort of precursor to like Bioware's dialogue choice wheels or something. The way that it mm-hmm. works in Full Throttle is you move your mouse cursor over something and it lights up, like it'll say, you know, light switch or motorcycle or whatever. And if you click on it. Just once, like a little single click, your character will walk over to it. But if you click and hold, uh, a sort of radial wheel opens up around your mouse. And if uh, if you sort of drag the mouse up, down, left, or right, you highlight over like eyes, a mouth, hands, or a foot, um, which are the verb that the character will perform when they walk over to it. And it's so clean and simple. And it got rid of all of the like grid of text and inventory items down at the bottom of the screen. Um, I just thought that was... V- very nice. I mean, you I know, agree. I was, that's the exact one I was going to say. There's something to be said for losing the traditional like sentence construction bar and complicated amount of verbs and always having the inventory on screen and whatever else. But I think the trade-off in adventure game design on the whole was totally worth it. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, one of the big differences is that in, and I suppose some people might not find this a positive, but I I, I consider it one. Um, when you had the three by three grid of verbs. Um, there was absolutely no way to know in advance if a particular verb would have any effect on a given object or even if it could be used on it. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you would, you'd click a particular verb and then you'd highlight the item with the cursor and then the verb wouldn't even light up. So it's like, well, I can't even do that on this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, whereas because the full throttle interface stripped down the number of verbs so much, it meant that the team, I think, pretty much committed to like having some form of content for every single verb on every single item, even if it's just saying, I can't do that. Yeah. But that's still more feedback than you'd get with a lot of the verbs in the old grid yeah. system. And also because your mouse cursor was right over the object because the menu popped up around it, the sort of having to run the errand with your hand of going back yeah. to the to the yep. list of verbs, then to the object, then to the verbs, then to the object, it, it let you experiment even if you hit negative interactions really quickly. It was just, it was, it's really well considered. It was, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that actually made me at the time understand that they were human beings solving these problems and creating these things from mm. scratch as opposed to it just being a foregone conclusion that it's how a game right. works. Like the full throttle interface was very good. And then they messed it up in Monkey Island 3 by, uh, they used the same interface, but they put it on a giant coin and the center of the coin was solid. So it covered up what you were clicking on. Whoops. Mm. Step back. Man, there's also, I mean, there's even precedence for coins with holes in them. I know. Whoops. It's okay. It was really well drawn. It was. Um, Alexander Davis says, what would an Idle Thumbs escape room experience be like? What would the room itself be, and how and where would you hide the clues? Would there even be any escape? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, an escape room you can't escape from is hilarious, but also awful. I feel like we are in what would hopefully become the Idle Thumbs escape room. Oh man, yeah, oh, the wow, orange yeah. foam, like the Idle Thumbs yeah. orange foam studio where you where it's four like three to four people at a time, and you start by being on the podcast, and you're given a script to record, but then some something weird happens. Yeah, uh, where like robot Nick shows up on a screen and tells you something and gives you a clue, and then like one of the lights change colors or something, and then you realize mm. you have to right, escape from you have to, yeah you have to escape yeah. from the Idle Thumbs podcast. You know what I would do if this I would st- I'd like st- at one of these sort of starting points anyway in decorating the Idle Thumbs room if it was based on this room, which is in turn based on the control room from this sort of secure whisper room from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is. I would have all of the sort of just techno nightmare shit we have in this room, but then I would also pump up all of the classy sort of British spy decor oh, yeah. from that movie, like that weird pendulum clock yeah. thing that's the in there. Pendulum clock. And the table is way more polished. There's yeah. definitely just mm-hmm. file folders and dossiers yes. full of weird, yeah. just probably in the case of Idle Thumbs, like Phaedrus garbage, I guess. Yeah. Like just... You want both of those eras and sensibilities crashing into each other. Yeah, uh, so the room is just covered in cords and and uh, acoustic foam. Yeah. But also, yeah, there's an analog telephone that rings at one point yep. and delivers you a message. 
I would love to make an escape room. I, I would too. That's like a long time dream gig of mine would be to yeah, make an escape too. room. Yeah. It seems so fun. It connect, it it connects a bunch of things I have so much interest in, which like game design, physical spaces, and production design, which is not something I've ever done, but it is one of the things I love most about film particularly is production design. Like I love just like looking at all the little corners of everything. I mean, it's one of the reasons I love that stupid room in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and it would be so fun to combine all those things. Yep. Yeah. And that's also an area that I think a lot of escape rooms could be better at is the production design mm-hmm. part of them. Yep. Um, it's probably a tough balance because you I'm have sure people rolling tough, through it all yes, the time. People, and people are fucking with everything, fucking touching with things, for sure. I'm not saying it would be easy, I, but it, yeah, but I think it would be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Nick, do you have any escape room fantasies? No. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. No, you guys covered it. <clears throat> All right. Robert, one one person in the Adult Thumbs escape room would always have to just be in a white closet somewhere else where they could only see in the video camera what's happening. <laughs> and occasionally and occasionally oh, their, their voice would be looped yeah. back in incorrectly. That's at, a good idea at for wrong escape times. room. I mean you'd really have to make sure the person doing it is into that role. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. a that's a really and basically probably what you'd want to do is actually you'd you'd want to have the ability for that person to switch <sighs> maybe like three times over the course of the hour so that one person isn't yeah. just consigned to that room. If you did that in the Idle Thumbs uh, recording studio model, but basically the way we have it set up in here is I run all the cameras and I have all the streaming stuff set up on this monitor. But if the yeah. Nick roll in the closet see everything. had the ability to switch between security cameras, yeah. you could also plant cameras in the studio that can see things or are filming from angles that you couldn't that, see from from that you yeah. can't see yeah. from in the room like you could yeah. have a camera under a shelf that reveals that there's something taped to the underside of it or yeah. like you could suddenly have a like fifth camera activate after the team does something and it can like look behind a wall right. so that person could get a clue right. or whatever like you, could, you know what you could also do live stream it you oh. know what you could also do if the if the person in the little nick room was also had a you know if they were visible to the people in the main room through a video monitor if there was a person you have to get the sound working the first thing you have to do is get Nick's audio able to be oh heard God, when recording that's, the podcast. That's that's really fucking good. Uh, but the thing I was going to say, that's really good. That so would at be first a, you can only communicate by signals and, and yeah. uh, writing yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah, and yeah. holding them up to the but camera. The, the thing I was going to say um, is you'd still have a Jake person who is not one of the participants, who's actually just someone who's involved in running the escape room, and they have the true master control room where they sure. have access mm-hmm. to everything. And the the fucking like galactic brain move would be as a scheduled part of the escape room. Essentially, from the moment someone enters the Nick room, uh-huh. the person running the whole thing is grabbing video of them to create the like heist fake looping video. Yes, so that you mm. at a certain point can take them out of the room secretly. And like give them an, an element or do something, but then it appears that they're still in the room because you've looped them just right. sitting there at the monitor. Uh, <laughs> I, you I can do that the other way too. You could have that's true. Yeah. have a breakpoint in the puzzle in the main recording studio where everyone has to go like hold hands in a corner that is off of the main camera. Right, and then you film and, the and loop then you capture the, that empty yeah. footage. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and then and it loops. Yeah, yeah. Or the other way around, have them all have to sit still at a table for five seconds. Right. Uh, and oh, to like put their hands on something. Yeah, everyone and, like, has to all stand still to solve a puzzle. Yeah, but yeah, when yeah. that happens, unbeknownst to the other person, you just capture that five seconds and loop it for another three minutes and yeah, cut yeah, yeah. audio communication off. Yep. Anyway, this is also Saw. This is the movie <laughs> Saw. <laughs> 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 all right. Robert Hoffman asks, if you could reshape reality by making one small tweak to the world we live in, what would you do to improve existence? <laughs> Delete the internet. <laughs> that would have so many effects that you could not control. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It would that fall under one small disaster. tweak. I don't know. What, what delete is it? Twitter. Let's uh, delete Facebook. Fucking Facebook. That's the one. Mm. I would you delete one Facebook? Small tweak. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't actually harm anything, really. It would make uh, some people's jobs more inconvenient for like a finite period of time. It wouldn't. The problem. Harm is, the, the problem world. with deleting Facebook is that someone else would just make a different Facebook. Yeah. Hmm. I suppose so. It would be harder. I would try to removing make it mosquitoes. Starting now, if they're actually can you take it back if it doesn't work? I would try removing mosquitoes <laughs> and see if that if that oh, hypothesis that, that you could remove terrible. mosquitoes and you would actually 
Uh, there's people. Wait, there, why would that be terrible? There are people who have postulated that removing mosquitoes would it would actually be way less harmful than you think because there are enough other small bugs that don't feed on humans and don't carry disease mm. that the, the things that feed on mosquitoes. Oh, that that, the food but, chain is interrupted. But that, I, I remember reading that a couple times and going, "That's that's one of those where I wish I had like the pocket universe that you could just try it and see how devastating it would actually be." Like, yeah. man, if you remove mosquitoes and then the Oscar predictions stop in two years, <laughs> uh, you know that it's <laughs> fucked. Yeah, if you. Could God, if you could make a small tweak to the world and you will you will not get any future feedback except for seeing how the arc of Oscar Best Picture winners <laughs> moves, right? So you can basically like make these tweaks and then in real time sort of see the projected forward like full shape of the rest of the Oscars. And from that point, you basically have to like, it'll then say, would you still like to, you basically get a confirmation box. God, it's like, would you like to confirm this mosquito? That would actually be such a fascinating metric because you'd be able to see if you just had, would you get just the titles of the, of the winners or would you get titles and and log lines? Uh, Well, I think actually the original question was you get to watch these movies. Oh, wow. Okay. If what you get to do is say, I want to change this one thing. And then you'd sort of just get the screening list and you'd get to watch them. That would be the most fascinating, weird yeah. window. Because if you are like, I'll remove mosquitoes, and then it's just a lot of movies about how the entire ecosystem has been thrown out of whack because right. animals that feed on right. mosquitoes, yeah, like because that did actually just yeah. fully uh, a you butterfly the, flaps its wings, the entire food chain, and we're just done. Meanwhile, a fucking genie in the corner is like rubbing its hands together and laughing because the actual small tweak you've made to the world is that you now just sit in your house all day long, <laughs> infinitely <laughs> watching every future Oscar Best Picture winner as you m- minorly make small tentative tweaks to the global ecosystem. Um, <laughs> if I change one thing about the world. You know, I'd be fine with that. What if I could change one thing about the world and it would be that no one would mind if I literally just sat and watched Oscar winning movies. movies. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, DB asks... What was something you were absolutely convinced you'd hate, be it anything from a type of food to a place to curling, that you ended up experiencing and found you really enjoyed it? Also, Nick really should watch Everybody Wants Some. (laughs) My small tweak would be that Nick has watched the Richard Linklater film Everybody Wants Some (laughs) so that he could share his impressions of it on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Guess I should watch that movie. Um, my uh, my example hmm. of this is anytime I do any strenuous physical activity. <laughs> you think you're not going to like it, or you th- yeah, I'm like I know I'm not going to like it, and then I basically I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it's like oh, should we go? Like my my wife is much more active than I am, and uh, she likes going hikes and stuff, things that normal people like to do, um, and she often has to cajole me into it. And I'm never excited about it. Oh, and yeah. I'm always glad I did it. Then it's always nice. And you go do something outside, and then your body yeah. doesn't feel quite as destroyed yep. uh, as you. Yep. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of food, but I can't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got into Marmite recently, and I definitely didn't think I'd hate it, but my curve to really enjoying it w- progressed much faster than I expected. Nice. Yeah. I don't have that with food generally, though, because I generally assume correctly that I will enjoy any of it. Nick, do you have anything like this? I'm trying to think. I'm, I almost certainly do. Yeah. I'm probably, you know, something that my dad made me do when I was a kid is probably my real answer to this question. You have a particular thing in mind, or you just suspect? Oh no, I just I just suspect like anything that he said. You'll you'll enjoy this, and then like you know, ten years later, I probably enjoy it. You know. Oh, I have long term things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the 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 more the arc that happens to me more often is someone like especially with food is someone proposes something to me. I think I'll like it. I eat it, and my first impression is, oh, I didn't like that at all. And then like. Between six hours and two days later, I'm like, I really want to eat more of that. I love that sensation. That's like that happens to me with food and music are the two places where it's like I listen to an album and I'm like, that I didn't that's not what I like. And then just like a day later, like, oh, that's stuck in my head for sure. Yeah. I need to listen to that more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the sensation of finding something sort of challenging. And by challenging I don't necessarily mean like super intellectually deep but it right. might it might be that but it might also just be sort of oh it was kind of off-putting at first or something i yeah. love or boring i love the sensation of initially not quite getting something and then and then wanting 
more of it and then understanding it more deeply in retrospect. I, yep. I love that feeling. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, Brian Brannon says, I'm not asking about postcards this month, but I definitely would like an update. Real question. Did any of your local, uh, did your played, sorry, have any of your played, oh, I think he means you. any of you. Yeah. Have any of you played local multiplayer or co-op games on the Switch yet? And if so, which ones did you enjoy the most? The only one that I've actually played was Snipper Clips for like a half hour oh, when the Switch first came out, too. and it was fun. But, um, you know, Smash Brothers is coming, so that's fine. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, I don't have a Switch, <laughs> although I'm considering getting one finally. It seems really cool. They're good. Nick, have you played really Switch much at all? I've, I've played a lot of it, but I, I don't... Uh, oh. I, I haven't played local multiplayer stuff. Yeah, I play... I yeah. play the Switch. I, it, I, use, I use the Switch very similarly to how I used... Like old Nintendo handhelds, where it's just mm-hmm. a total solitary, unplugged right. experience. Except that it has yeah. a, a a good eShop. That's so I the part that stuff. appeals to me for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, postcard updates. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more to say soon. Sorry. SL one twenty eight asks, when can we pre-order George Broussard's hamburger? <laughs> Oh my God! What I've completely <laughs> forgotten everything about. George. What does that mean? Wasn't that that was? Oh, that was going to be Nick's tell-all book about the games industry. Oh my God! For real? I guess so. I kind of yeah, forgot what was. I was what that was going to be as well. It was going to be like Nick's... Well, I mean, I, I think it was, it was originally like it was it was originally going to be an article for the Idle Thumbs, um, the GDC paper, the Journal of Games, yeah. the Journal of Games. Yeah. Yeah. God, I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember what yeah. it was. I don't remember either, really. <laughs> Wow, what a deep cut. What an outrageously yeah. deep cut. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> Nick has already published George Bussard's hamburgers somewhere. Your job is to find it. <laughs> Your job is to discern from this list of future best Oscar winners <laughs> in what year the world will see the release of Nick mm-hmm. Brecken's George Bussard's hamburger. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the story of George Bussard's hamburger is, Nick? I really don't. I really don't. That, that was so long. It feels like forever ago. I'm sure it was that's, forever that's ago. Too bad. God. I um, assume that whatever your experience was that led to George Prozard's hamburger, I have to imagine was from your Shack News days. It was. Uh, it was something. Uh, I think he had tweeted a, something about a hamburger, and I, that that's mm. where that was started. But I don't. I don't remember. What that's I was, what weird. I was do, what I was going to do with it. I really don't. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, hmm. On that baffling note. Thank you to everyone <laughs> so, for <laughs> suffering through this Ruination cast with oh, us. Weird. And thank you for sending in your questions. If you were one of the high-tier uh, patrons of our Patreon campaign, that is super cool, and we appreciate it. And uh, we are glad to answer your questions, even if sometimes uh, we don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be back in the next, within, I would say, probably the next two weeks with another episode of Idle Thumbs, the video game podcast. On this very feed, <laughs> and Jake is amused. Nick, is it because on January twenty sixth, two thousand nine, George Broussard tweeted, "My first In and Out burger, yum," and then followed it up with another picture saying, "Now that was a tasty burger." <laughs> or, or was it because on June tenth of two thousand nine, George Broussard tweeted, "Just had a thirty five dollar Kobe beef burger at BLT Burgers inside the Mirage. Honestly, no better than Red Robin or some place like that." Or was it because on March 29th, 2010, George Broussard tweeted, just saw an 80-year-old man in a burger joint holding an iPhone sideways playing a card game. That rocks. Or was it because on June 26, 2010, George Broussard said, time for a burger. Then I think Xbox Gamer Score boosting tonight, Bad Company 2 and others on my list. <laughs> or was it because on uh, March 27th, 2014, George Broussard said, I don't understand why every burger chain is 24 hours, but no sub sandwich place. Nope. Fuck you. Eat your greasy burger. Uh, I think that was the... Oh, no. Or was it on December 4th, 2016, where I said, just had my first smash burger, and I got to say, that was a tasty burger. Would eat again. <laughs> so which... which it was, was almost uh, or. <laughs> <laughs> or was it August 21st of 2017 when he said, spent week on bug, think due to threading, 
Go eat burger, talk to self in car, have theory, get home, works first time, made wrong assumption. Which of those was it, do you think, that was the... Jake, uh, I also have to point out that over the course of reading these tweets, I can see your levels, your audio levels at your microphone, and they are just exploding <laughs> as you get deeper into the burger, the Broussard burger-verse. Anyway, Nick, you are going to say it was abs- almost certainly... Oh, almost certainly the first of the, uh, the first couple. Yeah, that's there. what I would have guessed. The first... The first yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. It was his 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 t- his duo tweets about that in and out mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. I wonder if those TwitPick links still work. I'm gonna guess that they don't. Yeah, I think TwitPick is long dead. Let's just see though, just in case. Maybe I can see a picture. George of- Broussard, by the way, is the current former. I don't even know. He's a, a owner f- of founder 3D of Realms. Yeah, the founder and of 3D Realms and Apogee, which mm-hmm. released Duke Nukem games for a million years, and he was the sort of longtime uh, sort of public face of Duke Nukem forever. A game that his studio didn't end up completing was passed off to Gearbox. Anyway, George Broussard. Yeah, oh, those TwitPics. A man from a different age of the video game industry, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those TwitPics don't work, so we're never right. going to see that burger. Oh! Well, I found a picture of George Broussard, I think, hanging out with someone, but it's not It's not his it's hamburger's burger? not there. No. God, why does only the follow-up have a... I want the picture of the burger so bad. Anyway, we got to go. I'm really hungry. No, I, I want a burger. Talk about bad. burgers is yeah. not helping. Um, okay, well, thank you for joining us for the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online. Um, uh, our Patreon campaign is patreon.com slash idlethumbs, and the Idle Thumbs podcast website is idlethumbspodcast.com. You can send us video game questions for that podcast at questions at idlethumbs.net. And for that, uh, that's it. For Idle Thumbs, <laughs> I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Okay, bye. That's bye. it. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Wherever you are, bye.